Hello, welcome to Talking in Stations. I am Matterall, the news chief for the Matani.com, and uh, we have a great show for you lined up today. So uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Caleb again to the show. Say hello to Rivre. We'll get to know them in just a second. We also have Dominark, who's uh, he's going to be cloaky tonight, and he's going to help us with questions. Today we're going to explore Eve's 13th birthday, as well Happy as... Capsuleer Day. Yes, Capsuleer Day, and how they're going to celebrate it. And we're also going to talk about what's going on with Eve Online as far as Citadels go. So, go ahead, Ashtarothy. I am Ashtarothy, and I am commander of Aderon Robotics now. Haha, <laughs> no more tests. Apparently, Tess is recruiting for a, for a lost member. <laughs> yeah. And Aderon Robotics is recruiting, by the way, coincidentally enough. So, uh, go ahead and join it. Drayden? Uh, Drayden Trevere. I'm with uh, MPX Gaming in uh, The Bastion. And uh, also from... Uh... He forgot Open again! Cops. <laughs> 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 yeah, sorry. Open Cobbs. God. It's only when I'm doing the introduction I forget what it is. <laughs> Too much pressure. Uh, Dirk. Hey, what's up? It's uh, Dirk McKirk from uh, MPX Gaming Corp and the Bastion Alliance and uh, the Open Comms Show. <laughs> I should have you go first. <laughs> yeah, just re yeah. remind yeah, him. I should get a t-shirt that says Drayden's with me or something. It is on your, it's on your shirt and I couldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Dominark, can you introduce yourself, please? Hello, I'm Dominark, Clue uh, Face Nerds with the culture uh, in game, and also the uh, only self holding podcast out there. Caleb? I'm Caleb, I am from the SCC Lounge, and I am the proprietor of the Eve Guardian. Awesome, and uh, Rivra? Hey, I'm Rivra, I'm a station trader in Jita. Excellent. And you guys are both part of uh, the uh, SCC Lounge, I believe, on Slack. What is the SCC? Is it just a group of friends that are financial people? The SCC Lounge was started back in 2009, and basically it was for people that trade. Uh, how many people are in that, by the way? Well, it's it, it usually is around 100, 120. Um, so we're getting back to the old numbers. Um, so, but it peaks in, in, in the hours when I'm about to go to bed, but uh... no, that might tell you something. <laughs> So let's get started with the uh, topics. First, we're going to cover um, Eve's turning 13. And uh, this is a great opportunity to kind of look back on 13 years of Eve Online. Uh, and then later on, we want to talk about what's going on today uh, insofar as citadels are being built and destroyed at a rapid pace. Was there something going on today for, for Capsuleer Day? Well, like, did just... we get free stuff or anything today? Yeah, we got the free stuff today. Yeah, I believe it was a skin from. Um, what is it, Bechtel or Actel or something? Upwell, Upwell <laughs> has issued a pod skin, which is a really nice blue kind of uh, matte blue skin that's of the Upwell colors, um, and, and also a festival fire uh, festival launcher and a whole bunch of fireworks. Ooh, fireworks! Signal Cartel is going to love those. More fireworks for my fireworks can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I literally have two cans, two uh, GSCs that are filled with nothing but launchers, fireworks, and snowballs. <laughs> Ready to open no. signal cartel, I well, guess. And, and there was a time when I was, you know, and some of them are like, you know, like uh, the snowballs have like different numbers on them or whatever. Um, but yeah, there was a time when I was just going to contract both cans over to uh, over to Minxie. Um But now it's like I'm just, you know, eh, maybe I'll start a third can. Well, there's other things that sell reliably, though. That's true. Do you remember and when snowballs used to melt? <laughs> I really remember that. At least they don't do that anymore. Yep, that was a thing. Snowballs would uh, would melt after like Actually, I don't know, was it thirty days or? Do they still do snowballs yeah, or not? Uh, after the, the the event that they were meant for, so. Yeah, uh, I think they still do snowballs. Yeah, probably around, around Christmas. Around Christmas, right? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. There's there are two different snowballs. One is like the legacy snowball, and and it's got like the number on it. And then there's the normal snowballs. I think. Do they look okay. different when you shoot them? No. No. You know, it's, it's funny because, uh, and, and we'll get into the uh, Eve and how it used to be and how it is now and how it's changed in a few minutes. But what, what I remember was undocking and getting locked and shot and I was freaking out because I'd never, that never happened to me. And, uh, and it turns out those were snowballs. So that happened to me like in 2008 or whenever they gave them out. I forget. And uh, I, I got concorded over that also. <laughs> oh, did you get sure. you, so you, immediately engaged? Because you shot back? Oh, yeah. Oh, you shot back. <laughs> Well, that's the reason why they had to stop doing it. Couldn't bring it back until they brought in the safety system. Oh, interesting. Well, I did the same thing to somebody else and freaked them out. It was a new person. And I just love that tradition of passing that back to, you know, to somebody else. It was one of those things. Yeah, I was not mad about it at all because it was funny. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't losing a ship. So, was... so speaking of new players, and we can talk about this later if you want to, just to remind everybody, this weekend right now is uh, a free weekend on Steam. So if you uh, frequent rookie help or if you want to you know, meet new players or try to introduce people to the game, I heard like there's huge amounts of numbers in the rookie chat and just checking out the game because, like I said, it's free on Steam right now. So people are checking it out. And uh, Kakwa tweeted hey, about it and I pointed out to her that the highest player retention is the players that actually get killed very early on. So she should actually tell all the EVE players to go out and kill some newbies. So I've been thinking about... Like, I don't think it's the sitting... ones that get killed. I think it's the ones that engage in combat early on. Whether they get killed or they win. Potato, potato. <laughs> yeah. What I've been thinking about doing is is sitting in newbie systems and then like contacting newbies and totally like RPing it up and giving them missions. Being like, you know, as a rogue broadcast, be like... Capsuleer, I need you to do this, you know, da, 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 and like put on a mission, like bring me a corpse. I don't care how you get it. Go. <laughs> Not a bad idea for a school. That's actually an awesome idea because they have no idea how it works. Yeah, they have no idea. Just be like, like, first you must prove yourself. Warp to this place and fight me and then blow them up and then give them like some like four times the money yeah. and be like. What might work is people would actually think now that missions were actual real people. <laughs> they should allow a corporation to people to it, assign missions to, to others. Yeah, really an extension of that, I, I'd like to say that one of the first times that I really got killed was because of the aggression system and a player that named themselves exactly the same as the rats. Oh. So this I happened. fell for that one. I targeted him and I just started shooting out of habit and i got totally concorded 
This happened to me in a different game. It was, um, I forget now, but you could kind of hire these henchmen to follow you around. And uh, so, but they were real people. And when a real person left, a a henchman NPC came in. So your party size stayed the same always. And so people kept dropping out and I wasn't realizing it. So by the end, I was talking to these NPCs and not knowing it. And I was like, wow, these guys aren't really talkative. Like, but it turns out that, that it was I was totally alone in this instance and had no idea for like ten minutes. So that have you ever seen Rick and Morty? No. Yes. Oh man. So there's an episode that's really funny because basically the dad's kind of a schmuck, and there's an entire episode where his he's in like a poorly rendered computer simulation, but it's like the best day of his life because he's so simple he can't figure out that the the simulation's just terrible. <laughs> that would be good. That's great. Okay, so uh, let's get started with the uh, time walk back to 2003 when uh, Eve actually started. Um, First, we want to cover that um, Eve has had kind of generations of players come through it now. I mean, we're we're 13 years old, so early on there was a certain type of player that came in, uh, and then around 2006, 2007, that shifted to a different kind of player that was more interested in different things. Uh, that led to about 2000, I would say, what, 11 or 2013-ish, where uh, a lot of big battles were happening. So a different kind of recruit was coming into EVE at that time. And so let's go back and explore those eras and what the characteristics were of the kind of people that were coming in. And of all of us, uh, let's just go down the line. And you guys can do this in chat, too. Let us know when you started EVE. Uh, starting with Ash, just uh, tell us when you started, and we'll just go real quick all the way to Rivera. Sure, uh, and I paid attention to Eve quite a bit before I played, and I've gone back and like studied the before times. But I think I started officially in 2011. I want to say. And, and Drayden? Uh, I started in 2012, uh, February of that, I think. So. Um, I thought you were older than that, but yeah. No, no. I think I'm, you're. I think you're mistaken, Drayden. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The what? I think you're mistaken, Drayden. I think you were here before. Oh that. yeah. <laughs> Derek, how far back do you go? 2008. And I literally didn't know about EVE until I stumbled across it while while surfing, uh, what was it, MMORPG.com or whatever. I was just looking for a, I was looking for a game. In fact, I was looking for, uh, I was looking for kind of a, you know, an MMORPG kind of um, uh, ship of the line pirate game. You know, kind of like uh, um, Sid Meier's Pirates, but you know, and they had what was it, Burning Seas or whatever? Yeah, at the time. that's that's why we agree so much. I was doing the exact same thing <laughs> at the exact same time. But, but I, you know, I stumbled across this, and then and then you know, downloaded it, played it for like, I don't know, maybe maybe a week, um, and then put it down for maybe two weeks, and then came back to it. Well, it's, that's eerie and, how similar and, we still. And oddly, have like never left for more than maybe a week's vacation since then. <laughs> That is, and me too. I haven't actually had any breaks since 2008. So it's, that's really crazy. No wonder we're kind of the same type. Uh, but Caleb, you're a lot older than we are, all right? Shouldn't we go for Reva first? Yeah, we probably should, because you were the same era as us, right, Reva? You started when? I started uh, July 2008, so yeah, about the same time as you, and I ended up for similar reasons. I was on uh, MMORPG looking for uh, full PvP games, and yeah, Eve came up as that, so I I decided to give it a go, and have been here ever since. So you're you're one of us too? Yep. (laughs) I joke that I was looking for a game that wouldn't take that much time. 
Uh, I noticed that I'm pretty much alone. I think it's only Deopa from the chat that's actually from my era. I uh, wait, hold, hold on one second, uh, Caleb. You're going to be last, uh, as you said, because we have Dominar to do. Dom, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I started also in 2010, but I had been being pestered by my co-host from Blue Space Nerds since 2008 to play it, and I kept, oh, no. Ah, oh, that didn't look good. I, I'll, I'll, I'll do it some other time, but regretting that two years uh, very much so now. Yeah, because a lot happened in that two years, right? It really did, yeah. There was a lot of changes then. Yeah, it was the end of a war. It was uh, the beginning of Goon Swarm's like, ascendance into power, and there's all kinds of stuff was going on around that time. Uh, all right, Caleb, take us back to when you started. Uh, I'm just noticing uh, that I am not the only veteran. Uh, I started playing EVE in, uh, that must have been October, November 2002, back in beta. Uh, so, yeah, that means that I'm... A little bit uh, older than the average, but uh, I would like to say that we do not have an actual birthday today. If you are on the European continent, then your birthday will not be until seven days from now, because there was a delay. And I'd like to point out <laughs> the delay. That's Only the Americans funny. have a birthday today. So it was actually out in the U.S. before it was in England. And you have no idea how pissed people were. It was crazy because back then time and training was so much more important and it was a lot of the players from beta so uh, basically the Americans got that huge head start and the Europeans were just crazy and screaming on the forums but then we were kind of lucky because I think we had two rollbacks in the first months so everyone was reset back to equal so that was fun man can you imagine like a full requirement for like a real rollback like nowadays i guess they've done they've done like they've had to roll back a day once in the last year right no i think it's happened twice I since i've been playing yes I, saying, I don't think i remember any rollback since i've played i, I know was no, I don't remember there was definitely a rollback but no there yeah. was a there was a rollback of several hours within the last yes. few months Oh, I don't. Yeah, see, I don't recall. I don't recall that. The last time I oh. recall that was maybe three years ago. No, was uh, there a rollback in the, the fire? No, what it was was uh, it was when their OAuth wasn't working right, and so people were randomly logging in as another person. They they rolled. I don't think they rolled back the entire server, but they rolled back people who were accessed during that period of time. Yeah, that was the SSO uh, bug, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When it, when I really remember the day of kind of rolled. Uh, you, know, you know when they would occur. Um, it was sometime after they introduced uh, what we used to call the hidden belts. Okay, so the asteroid belts that you would have to scan down to be able to find the, you know, the small, medium, large, extra large, you know, asteroid belts. Um, and the reason why I remember it so much is because we used to sit in the in the in the large one and and just just roll that one right. You would just wipe it out. A new one would spawn five minutes later. Wipe it out. And a couple times we were two-thirds of the way through or like five minutes from being done and the server would reset and then it would and like something would roll back and you're like oh man the work we just put in i'm just going to steal uh the floor a little bit because the chat is actually pointing out some things that i think is important to the generational thing and what the first generation were uh i noticed that i'm not uh the only one that had connections to earth and beyond a lot of the veterans seem to have been coming from that so what was very funny in the beginning was that you had a lot of hard role play types from muds and stuff like that and then you had a lot of fans from uh fans of uh, frontier elite and 
people that had been playing a lot of those uh, strategy games. And then, of course, things like Earth and Beyond. And basically all of those migrated to EVE. Uh, and a lot of them got invites to beta. Um, so it, it was very much a special breed in the beginning. And they were very nerdy in a... In, in a different way than you see today, uh, very well, old school nerds. So, so the way I like to think of it is like, especially Goonswarm, but that whole culture kind of uh, made the meta insofar as you know people aren't bought into the game anymore. We play this game on top of the mechanics, but people don't really play the game of Eve, um, which is what most people would call the PVE content or you know whatever, like the. The actual like buying into the story or you know what's going on but in the early days people were they were fully bought into it people were yeah, mimitar people and were and that's Amar. exactly where ash has a point it, the whole thing about how hardcore some of the players were role-playing uh people like uh i know that sir Muller did a lot of this and then uh taggart uh, Rag, uh ragnar from taggart transdimensional was really heavy into the whole thing of uh role-playing the uh, industrialist uh, corporate thing and really going full on uh, in, in that direction and it it never really took off because the game was not and this is fair to say it was not mature yet for that and um, a lot of uh, focus was shifted away from the things that would have been needed to cater to that type of player um, so it was a little bit tough in in the old days and and Ragnar ended up quitting so Talk a little bit about uh, when the game launched in 03. What um, what was that? Nullsec didn't exist. Obviously, the drone regions didn't exist, but Nullsec itself didn't exist. No, we had uh, we had Lowsec uh, all, all the way down. It was just the the, the Empire stuff. And uh, the funny thing was that almost everyone was doing that, chasing uh, Nullsec ore and uh, resources because. It was still NPC buying uh, orders on on the markets, uh, so the influx of money came directly from NPCs. Uh, that was the faucet. So you would get a lot of money if you could get out and mine the the rare ore. The problem was that uh, a lot of people hadn't actually done the calculations on opportunity cost of how long they were spending finding it and and defending themselves and and getting gear that was a lot more costly than 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 the lower tiered ones so the ones that were actually winning were the number crunches in high sec that actually just stayed where it's safe where you could afk kill all the rats so that was quite funny yeah, that was. Okay. And there was also uh, no market like there is now. Everything was done on uh, contracts instead. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Modules, if I remember. Sorry. Yeah, you, you did still have the uh, have have the SSE markets, uh, but you didn't have uh, full market. So there was a lot of items you couldn't actually trade at all on the SCC. Uh, so you got this whole uh, shadow market where you had to use the escrow system, which was the old primitive version of the contract system. And I at least know one person that got filthy rich from snatching up orders that were or contracts that was put in wrong. So one is contracts full of millions of isk worth of stuff. So did you play, uh, Kel, did you play uh, both alpha and beta or just start in beta? I started in beta, uh, beta three. Uh, beta three, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild, like some of the changes there in the market. Um, I remember, <coughs> excuse me, um, 
was this still the days where everything would reset at, at um, after downtime and everybody would race to kill the anomalies and stuff? Uh, most things were on those uh, reset cycles, including uh, uh, NPC orders and uh, belts and all these things. Um, but, but back then, things like uh, rats were, were the, the, the best way to, to fight rats was to chain them. You basically did that trick where you kept one and then you could just cycle them because as long as there was one, they just respawned and respawned and respawned and respawned. So, you can't do that anymore or is that still happening? No, they let, they got rid of that a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, they got rid of that when they created kind of uh, the was it the incursions. Mix. Well, it, it was just the it was just the mix of of rats that would spawn. Um, you know, it wouldn't be two of the same battleship, three of the same battleship. Um, but in Nilsec, you could do it for a while. You still could change. Oh, them. you could do it up until yeah, yeah definitely up until a couple of years ago. Oh, I should I should correct it. There was markets. The, the, the basic things were market-based, exactly like you see it today. It hasn't changed pretty much at all. Well, you're saying that NBCs did uh, buy orders for ore. Was there, um, is, it, is it the same as today where most things were, were only built by players or have more things like transitioned over to that over time? Well, they had the basic things that were seeded by NPCs, and then they had seeded orders for ISK faucet, right? So, so they, so, so the NPC bought all the ore at a flat rate, and that would then end up being uh, the floor of the market. So you you couldn't really end up below that. Um, but they didn't sell all the higher end stuff. So all the things that you bought your blueprints for and started producing, they didn't sell those. That that all went into player creative stuff. And uh, it was a race to be first in, in, in the higher end. So it was like, you know, everybody knows like, uh, and now with the, with the history book, there's also more information on what NullSec was like and what people were doing. But what was like HiSec like back then? And LowSec? Well, there was, this is before Faction War, right? We're talking pre-2006 and 2005. So there's no Faction War. There's just LowSec, HiSec, and uh, NullSec. No, it, it was basically uh, about uh, getting to the, the better rats and to the better ore. It was slightly more PvE-centric back then. And then what you were really uh, PvPing for was uh, disruption of other people's play and stealing their stuff. Um, so piracy was very uh, uh, sporadic initially until they introduced proper uh, null space. Yeah, because yeah, uh, even at first there was no there was no soft system at all. It was just basically you guys knew who controlled what and respected it, right? In the beta. And that ties into the the, the question with uh, what HiSec was like. It was kind of funny because that was when uh, the old Naga thing, uh, the loot shop, was created because all the good loot could not be traded on the SCC. So what Naga did was they created a shop that actually bought all the loot from the pirates and from people that was ratting in, in Losek. Uh, and then that shop was then, of course, reselling to a lot of PvP players. Um, but the funny thing was when all the PvP players came in and, and, and sold their stuff, most of them had already gotten f famous or infamous, right? So, so, so all the, the Care Bears would get shocked and scared that we were actually trading with these people that was hilarious uh, i have a question as far as like the markets like i mean obviously you got the you have jita Mardo, dixie and renz is like the big hubs for all the empires uh 
how because i mean how they're all player set so there had to be a reason that people decided to make these the hubs and then so how was it that that's where all the the seated market orders were for npcs and then people just kind of well once initially the got rid of? In, initially it was uh, not those hubs uh the main hub was actually Ulay, and that tied into the fact that you had the law and the neutrality and the fact that you had the highway system so it was the nexus between uh the major regions the, there was hardly any jumps from uh, region to region when you uh, started out from from Ule. Right, like um, uh, you couldn't go from Jita to Amar very easily then, right? Uh, what you could was that you uh, it it tied together um, the four major regions um, of the factions with less than five jumps to each um, when the highway was still up. That was the old Jita. Um, and then the other was basically based more on geography, really, than than on anything else. But then eventually, it it uh, uh, what what happened was that the agent system and the missioning, then of course, uh, brought focus and created hubs. And then you had the yeah. industry hubs, which was very important because you had the limitation in slots, and there was a lot of slot plugging, uh, the whole war of uh, getting access to research slots and industry slots. Okay, don't go any further. Let's go back and review that for a second. I think it's really important. When the game first started, the real trade hub was Ulai, which was a Concord-owned station, and I believe it is in, uh, not Domain, but Genesis. And there was a highway, I guess, where you would travel because the, uh, the what is it, the long jump from uh, Forge to uh, Domain Space wasn't there. So you would have to kind of travel through different empires to get around stuff. Then when missions came around, people started to concentrate naturally into areas that were not too far from where they were missioning. And that's where well, everybody came to sell stuff, right? Well, specifically... And the same with the, with, the, with the lottery also shifted a lot because people were grinding the lottery to get... The, the, T, the T2 lottery, right? Yeah. Okay, so the T2 lottery is uh, blueprints. They used to give out T2 um, blueprints uh, so you didn't have to invent them at all. You just had them. But they slowly disseminated those through research agents, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was a sort of randomized system based on points that you've got these research points by uh, missioning. And the the thing is that the grind was so crazy and the, the RNG was so basically unfair that uh, yeah, it, it caused a lot of uh, problems back then, and uh, especially because well. It was slightly uh, fair in the form that it got distributed very uh, evenly. Um, so a lot well, of people had, had prints that they couldn't really use because they were really expensive to use and, and utilize. Well, the other thing I want to add to this, and this is why the T20 scandal was such a big deal when it hit, because it showed that uh, Dev was actually creating and leaving T2s uh, T2 BPOs that were like the, I think it was the, uh, an intradictor, I think, some very nice ones uh, with Band of Brothers. And that caused outrage among uh, Goonswarm, who were the enemies at the time, because basically they were, you know, getting the benefit of the company helping them out. I, I also want to circle back and uh, discuss the point about how Jita became Jita, because there's some questions about that in the chat. You mentioned that it was a missioning hub, but the reason specifically why it became the missioning hub was because back in the day, agents had what was called quality to them. And so 
um you know it was a little bit more gradual than it was than it I, is now i forgot know? that wasn't a thing anymore yeah so you had to have a certain amount of standings and the person's quality meant how good the rewards that they gave was and Jita was a 1.0 system that had several level four quality or yeah level four high quality agents and so it became the de facto place to run missions um and then eventually it became so big that they had to you know do all the stuff that you see now where it's like automatically no longer part of the autopilot and they actually removed all the agents from it but by that point it pretty much solidified its its role it's a, it's as a the really capital. long story and it's got a lot of detail <laughs> that you're leaving out the fact that uh <laughs> that Kaldari was very favorite but, but by good job a lot of players right so yep. when you want stuff from the mission uh stores you would choose the ones that actually had the best value and the same as 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 uh geography of course location compared to other stuff and the fact that there's something like uh, naga and 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 similar industrialists were positioned just next door to in in Neobanen was a huge benefit because they were basically buying a lot of the stuff so there's a lot of factors that uh, that well, need think, to be taken into account i think the connections to jitta were also changed at one point were they not they were not always the connections we know today, I don't think, were they? I don't remember that change. I know the, the highway change is the only one that I remember. Okay, so... so I, go ahead. Sorry, Drayden. I was going to say, like, so uh, you were saying the big jump between uh, the Forge and uh, Domain used to not be there. Like, how many... So have they changed the jump routes of HiSec substantially, or did they just add a few jumps here and there? everything substantially you 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 went from four or five jumps to 19 or something like that uh, on range tom you have anything to add uh, so they have changed um the number of gates and where they go for all the different regions or not regions but um low sec no sec and high sec over the over the course of time what, was the goal of that just to spread people out or uh like what was the point of changing all that I, I, well, I think it was uh, they were kept adding systems. So as they added systems, they had put in new connections. Let's talk about that because people think of Eve as a permanent thing, but uh, you know, back then, you know, two thousand and five and below, there weren't any wormholes at all. There wasn't even any wormhole lore that I'm aware of. In Alpha, there was seven systems when it started. Wormhole systems? No, seven systems. No. Oh, total oh. systems. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, so there weren't wormholes. There was no faction war. The empires were not at war with each other. Uh, so there was really just kind of a player-run uh, narrative going on with some imperial like backing or you know window dressing. Well, there is also um, now I I don't know when it started or stopped, but in like the before times and the long long ago, there were actually some very interesting lore events that occurred. Um, where, like, uh, I want to say, man, I can't remember who it was, but somebody actually paid ca Capsuleers and flew in fleet with Capsuleers against the Sancha, um, against a POS at one point. Like, there was a lot more interaction with the various agencies within the game, and so a lot more, like, story building that way. Sure. And there was also a Mar Trials, and there was, um, once. I think, once before. That was, like, in 2004, I believe, or 2003. We had a whole team of uh, player volunteers, actually, right. that was part of the event team. So, yeah, yeah, they actually a had a, an event team. And uh, as well, Yule actually got uh, Concord in Yule got exploded at one point by Mu, I think it was, if I remember. Yes, and that caused something to happen. I think CCP decided they were going to beef up that um, 
Concord, because Concord was built differently, I think. The, the mechanic worked differently. And then Concord actually got defeated because they were able to tank it, I believe. And so then they said, oh, we got to, you know, that we got to ramp them up. That was the first to actually do a proper goons-like event, I would almost call it, because it was basically tanking the uh, Concord and getting wrecked from uh, his friends. And he was just blabbing everything came through, just Wait, so killing you, everything. You used to be able to kill Concord before, or no? no you could, could tank them. them, but you could tank them. Oh, if, and uh, then you if could you kill had, like, like everyone else. Extreme tank, you could survive Concord infinitely, and he was just on the gate, just killing everything and uh, and, and tanking the Concord. So That's after fun. that, There's CCP a video said, of it out there somewhere. "Oh, we should find that." So after that, CCP made them ramp up in damage infinitely. So eventually, they'll kill everything, like, and fast. Which is, you know, you know, which has gone on. I don't want to say fairly regularly, but it has gone on in multiple steps over the years, right? Yeah, when we when we started in two thousand and eight, you could kite Concord around um, in the system. So they changed that as well uh, in two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. Yeah, I mean, looking at Eve today, and again, you know, you know, coming in in early 2008, um, I was lucky enough to to play for a long time with a guy who had, you know, been in during during uh, early beta, and hearing the stories, hearing the stories of, you know, when I came in in 2008, guess what? Capital ships already existed. Okay, the supercarrier that we know today wasn't there. It was the mom that nobody really used all that much, and there weren't all that many of them out there. But capitals were already part of the game. Um, there was a time when players were players were shocked and amazed when when you know caracals were introduced. A time I think before battle mines. Uh, people, uh, I, I'm pretty sure there was actually two titans in beta, according to rumors. They existed, I but you didn't see them. But there was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, so you forget about things like you know pirate faction ships and tech three this and hell tech two i mean there was a time before tech one battleships before tech one cruisers you know and 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 the various flavors of them um you know it was a very de minimis world in terms of both the geography um you know and and the things in it well that's one thing i want to make sure that people understand is eve was really changing a lot i mean the drone regions weren't there at the very beginning they got Nelson they got wasn't put in there at all so this also I think the funny thing is that many players when they play Eve don't actually realize how fast this game changes. It, it, it's because of that whole fish in water don't notice it, right? It, because you're so used to some sort of small changes coming all, all the time. I, I noticed that, that when Seagull this year showed how much has actually been changed just this year, right? It's when got a lot ramp, there, yeah. right, When you start summing them up, it's like holy fuck that's a lot that's but, like a whole big patch for any other developer and this has been going on all the way back to 2003. it's, and it's always all, been changing at, at, a, at a really high pace it just and, came in, in chunks before right yeah and 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 given the age of the game right um there used to be what we called in the game a jesus feature right something you know this the, this big giant new thing that they were putting in as an expansion um but when you go, you know, as you go back in time, right, um, certain major additions that were added to this game, we would look at today as as being, well, that's just another ship class. So they've yeah. had to, you know, they've had to, in a way, in order to like, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep everybody going, wow, 
right? I mean, you know, sometimes things have to get bigger and bigger. And they, you know, and I think that they hit that wall at one point. They hit that wall where it's like, wow, what we have to do to be able to put in something that's really going to be big is is so much more significant work than than maybe what it used to be. And a funny story um, that both ties into some of Ash's stuff and what you just mentioned. Um, way back in the Proto CSM, I asked Torfi to introduce a mining frigate that was specialized for mining because the uh, there was one of the uh, Galente ones was actually in the law talked about as if it was a mining frigate except it, it was useless as a mining frigate right and and he promised that they were going to eventually make a specialized mining frigate it took 10 years okay <laughs> so awesome thanks for planting that seed the other thing that's important, though, is that it wasn't just mechanics that were in being introduced a lot. Eve was discovering what it was, right? Like, so before the Guiding Hand Social Club, there was, like, when the Guiding Hand Social Club event happened, there were people that legitimately thought that they should get their money back and that that level of espionage should not be allowed within the rules of the game. And that decision had to be made. And so, you know... Or like, uh, you know, what was it? CCP, um, the head dude, I can't remember, Hilmar. Hilmar. Hilmar was on stage on the 10-year anniversary, and he told the story about uh, seeing people jet can mining when he was on uh, paternity leave and how jet canning was never supposed to be part of the game. And, like, he saw their entire plan, because their plan was, like, it was going to take months to mine enough to get into a battleship or something like that. And, like... Here they are, like efficiently mining as a group using jet cans in order to manage things. And jet cans weren't even no supposed to be in the how game. Efficient it was! It was yeah. crazy. You would just start at one end of the belt, and then your entire fleet of miners just ate, but, it, and it but, was gone. You went through two, three belts in a night. Right, but two, now take two that to the CCPs. next take that to the next level, though, right? Because jet can mining wasn't something that they saw people doing, right? And then you got can flipping out of that. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you kept getting emergent gameplay out of this. And the funny thing is that it became a problem. So they had to tweak all the timers and stuff because space was getting cluttered with this stuff. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that at the same time, like all of this idea of like the space, jan you know, the janitors of the sandbox and, you know, these very fundamental concepts that we take for granted as being fundamentally Eve, these were decisions that had to be made during these early age as Eve was not laid out to be the game that we have now, basically. Yeah, that's a great segue. Let's move into the next generation that's probably between 2007, the beginning of Faction War, uh, with the Imperium, uh, uh, Imperium Age uh, expansion, all the way up to uh, past Wormholes, um, and we'll talk, you know, about 2010. So we're talking about 2010, 2007 to about 2011. And one thing I want to point out, in those days, the Optimum mining ship, at least in high sec, was actually a battleship, the Apocalypse. <laughs> uh, sure? The Rogue was, the the was pretty good. The Rogue, yeah, I would say the Rogue was, yeah, that's what yeah. I was I think the, 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 the Banana Boat was first, and then the Rogue after. But you the Rogue have, displaced you to, it. You have to remember that you had to stay within your training. Right, a lot more than you do today. Yep. So, so oh, yeah. there was no way that I was going to get in one of those because I was Galinta trained. If I had to go all the way back in the tree and then tra train for the best mining ship you mentioned, that wouldn't be possible. That would have taken forever and it would be a waste of time. 
So I would have to opt in and use the Megathon, right? Well, and, well uh, and, I, and I think the other reason why the rope was probably more popular, okay, you know, for, if you were going to mine in a non-mining vessel, which the rope was really good at, uh, um, especially with jet can mining, right, was because a lot of people could already fly the Raven. The Raven was one of the PVE battleships of choice. And the Drake. Because, because missiles, well, Drake first, and then you graduated to a Raven because missiles were were crazy good back then. If you started between 2008 and 2010, chances are at least one person told you, pick Kaldari. Kaldari yeah. all the way. Because <laughs> yeah. missiles were so much easier to get to, the, the training was a little bit less and everything. Um, it was always, pick Kaldari and train for the Rifter. <laughs> one of my early... The passive Drake right. as well was a thing. Yeah, the passive uh, shield Drake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had one of those for uh, tanking level fours because, yep. yeah, it, it didn't do any damage, but it could, uh, yeah, tank uh, insane incoming damage for pretty much forever as long as, yeah, they didn't break your buffer tank. Yeah, the, the Drake kind of ruled NPC, uh, NPC uh, ratting, didn't it? Or it, was it was fucking immortal. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, oh, I just lost a funny story, but I was, oh, yeah, I was a Kaldari pilot. It was my second character because I was spinning off a PvP character after my experimental one, which is kind of a path normal people took, or some people. And I ended up training Bomb for some reason because I looked at how much damage it could do, but I had no idea what the nature of it was. So for a long time I had, you know, trained up a Bomb, but I couldn't fly a, a bomber to use it with. <laughs> and it's same thing with Citadel Missiles. Be used, uh, now that everything being introduced with these patches, is going to be slightly AOE based. Shouldn't we get our minds back? Thank yeah. well, you. are playing to the crowd because I saw that in chat too. They're going crazy yeah, for minds. I mean, that, you. Yeah, that was something that did exist in the game. And, and again, it was one of those things that had to do with server lag, right? I mean, well, you have time you know, dilation now. It's no problem with the minds. Oh, I, I, think, it, I think you would <laughs> still be incredibly. I don't remember minds at all. 2008. I, right how did they work? Like minds. <laughs> you drop them. They they are they're dropped on the on in this space, and if somebody gets within range, they blow up and do damage. Splash wow. damage. I, I just don't remember those at all. You or can the, still get them. An uh, anaconda somebody... mines. Yeah, I've got twenty python mines and an anaconda. Yeah, oh wow. An anaconda, yeah. Okay, so what was going on like, like expansion wise? This was an amazing time to join EVE. Right? You can see it on the, if you look at the, the population when it joined, this is a massive increase from, you know, it was called the March to 200,000, I think, as far as inside uh, CCP, because they were going up and up and up and up. And, you know, it was like, uh, and no, no other MMO was having this kind of success at this point. Usually they were kind of crashing or, you know, tapering off. Well, culturally, like like I said earlier, you know, there's those incidents, especially that uh, the uh, Guiding Hand Social Club incident um, that really set. CCP. That was in 2005, by the way, but it finally right. took took some time to get out there. Right. So that the fact that CCP allowed that kind of behavior, which for those of you who don't know, that basically was the first like corporate takeover. Uh, you know, s steal all the crap, kill the kill the CEO. And make their day suck and you know when when ccp did not go the same way as everybody else and instead just said well they didn't violate any rules that really kind of set uh eve online as, uh, apart from world of warcraft or even ultima online 
which were big, um, or even, uh, what was the other one? Dark Age of Camelot was another big contender at that era. Um, but this idea of, like, you can actually be your own person, and if you want to be a bad guy, you can be a bad guy. And, in fact, the slogan was, Eve Online, be the villain. And so yeah. this was the era of the scammers, the cheat. Everybody had a dream of corporate this espionage. Is, this is when Matani joined. This is when Shadu joined. This is when Mike Azera, Mike. Uh, Azariah. Azariah. Who's it called? Azariah. So this was the School era bus, of Mike. the people with School like, bus. like three, three, four, five year long plans, right? Like this is when a lot of those plans got put into action because they saw what a, a person could do if they put their work into it. There was something else going on though that, that isn't usually talked about. And that is that uh, Eve became available on Steam. And that was right at the beginning of that giant climb. So I think you probably got a lot of people coming in. Plus Eve was winning a ton of awards uh, the fans were, you know, rabid about it, so they voted all the time, and so it was winning all these MMO awards at the time. So you have awards, people talking about it, it shows up on Steam, and uh, it sets itself apart as a, a real sandbox where you could actually do a bunch of terrible things. So then we got and a bunch of terrible players. You're forgetting my people. You're forgetting the fact that Eve has been mentioned in real-life financial news pretty much since its inception. Because we had uh, Eve Bank. Uh, the e-bank uh, scam and all the bank scams yep. that were going on, they were happening a lot between 2006 and 2010 or so. I think the last really big scam was uh, the Titans for You uh, thing. Um, but And so that was getting a lot of attention as well. This is a game where you can actually steal people's uh, in-game currency. Do you wanna... Scamming has been a thing since the beginning, right? Yeah. Since the early days with the trade window scams and... Uh, Everything was allowed, and, and that ties back to what Ash was, was mentioning, when CCP made it clear that they were not going to interfere with these things, that you were allowed to do whatever you wanted to. Um, Sorry, let me take... when everything just started pulling those big numbers, and the growth didn't stop until it reached the peak there in 8, 9. It's 2009. Um... Can you describe what that uh, Titans for You scandal was? I think I know it, but you probably know it better than me. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, there was a character called Bad Bobby. Uh, he still plays now. Um, and he, uh, he set up uh, an idea uh, on the MD forums where he would buy some uh, BPOs for Titans. And because these are really expensive, everyone could actually uh, put some ISK towards it, uh, buy shares in the, in the corporation. He set up Titans for You. And the idea was that he was going to research them and then sell off the uh, blueprint copies for profit and then pay dividends out to the shareholders. And yeah, um, it didn't quite work out like that. There was uh, It ended up being a scam a few months in, and I think he got away with close to a trillion, if I remember. Yes. So, so what had happened was... Um... First of all, he had built up a lot of trust just doing markets or building stuff before this, right? So he has like he had like three years of pedigree behind him. And then he started this project and he sold off so many shares so that he could afford the Titans. And they made a lot of money. He made, he sold a lot of these Titans and stuff like that. But then they were making so much money that he's like, I want to expand to do more. And so to do that, I need to create more shares. And uh, so the shareholders had a vote. And uh, ultimately voted yes and made more shares. But what people didn't think about was those shares, because he is the CEO of the company, is dropped into his wallet first. 
which he basically made sure that they created enough so that he had 51% of the company, in which case he voted the rest of the shareholders out and seized control of all of the assets. But so, we, should, we should remember here that, and I think Dirk will agree with me, that a lot of scams are actually not necessarily planned. And that goes for Ponzi schemes and it goes for, for this type of scam. A lot of the scams in the MD that have gotten, gotten the whole story about being really well executed scams are usually actually burnouts or that they suddenly can't actually bring the business plan to work. That's oh, very interesting. They didn't originate that day. They became a Bernie Madoff. Bernie yeah. Madoff didn't start off scamming people. He just, along the way. Or I like the idea that they couldn't, their idea wasn't working. So they're like, I'm out of here. And I'll just say it was a brilliant scam instead. Like they couldn't actually make the business work. I was well, wondering about that. Is that. The Titans, what, I mean, that's a legitimate, like he planned that. Well, not him, but we're saying maybe other people like that, a lot of those scams. But they, I wanted to ask, did, did corporation shares ever take off that whole, like, I mean, it seems like it'd be a lot of gameplay with, um, you know, building stuff and giving out shares and giving dividends to people. That we've tried in you. so many times in the MD, so many times we've tried to ask for features from CCP. We've tried to uh, create workarounds. We've tried to do trust-based stuff. We've tried to do third-party developed uh, sites that can actually handle uh, virtualization of shares and all these things. We've tried everything, and it always ends up being a little bit too uh, based on trust or there's tools and features that are missing, so we can't actually do it, and, and it ends up burning out. Because if, if you don't have the, the, the most basic tools like, like proper trading and uh, things like that and proper uh, uh, the ability to recall and, shares. And, yeah, recall shares. That's maybe the most important one that we don't have. And if you don't have that, you can't actually do it. Uh, so it keeps burning out. And it's only because of like three missing features that I think have been asked for several times. But the problem is, as I see it, is that when we talk about this in the MD, first of all, the MD is not very visited by most devs, as far as I know. And the ones that do, this can't be done. Okay. So really, for that to happen, you really need a an SEC branch of Concord. Let's select well, them like CSM. No, 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 no. no <laughs> that's what we should like do. Two or three features in the actual um, mechanics. You need things like the fact that you need to uh, be able to detach a share and trade it somewhere. Right now, you can't trade it except uh, you have to. Um, Click it and then say where you want to send it. That means it's not it's, it's not in a, in a hangar or it's not in a market, so it can't be seen. It can't be traded. It can't find a price. Well, the yeah, price the, there's a secret. mechanic version of it, but rules-wise and, and security, we don't need rules. Need... There was no there was no rules initially when shares were invented. Then don't we don't need rules? We need features that that that's pretty much about being able to detach it, be, being able to plug well, it into a market, and being able to force buy back active shares that are in 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 votes it was it was never into i don't think it was intended to be an intricate type of stock market or anything like that right it was it was meant yes, to be it a was. vehicle it was it well, was if you look they, at if you look at the design when it was it, out but... if you go back in 2003 when when eve actually launched that feature was definitely meant to be a proper stock market based thing but they couldn't really do that yet 
Well, they, so, well, yeah, they would have needed a whole bunch, well, you know, a whole lot more stuff that came in there. But I mean, what was put out there was it was a way to, you know, if you wanted to give dividends to people, you could do that. But again, just like you know, just like with uh, corporate roles and pauses and things like that, right? You know, there just weren't enough features there to be able to to solidify it into something no, that but was going to have broad what, use. If you look at what we I, had, uh, uh, compared to other games, right? Yeah. Uh, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt this point, if you don't mind, because we'll go back and forth, and, and I want to move on. The uh, the thing that was interesting, Dirk uh, and Caleb, was that the Eve at this point had an economist. So I wonder if his job wasn't to kind of make that a reality. No, no, no. he came in later. Yeah, he came in later. Uh, I, I can't. No, later than two thousand three. But I'm talking. We're in the two thousand eight era. 2010 he was a brilliant economist yeah he was he was here at that time because i was sold <laughs> my friend sold me on the game saying they have a professional economist running the economy so i was thinking well it must be something complicated uh well but, i mean it, you know it was one of those things that that um they really needed to have because the economy of eve um was a so big and b so so lifelike okay so real real world well, so intrinsic yeah, um, you, you know they needed that. Now, now what I've said since then is I'm not sure what they need more. You know, an Eve economist or an Eve psychologist. Um, I, you know, I think they probably need a psychologist more. You know, in order to understand the mentality of the people playing their game and what drives them, and you know how to how to use that for for um, uh, you know attracting players and, and retaining them. But well, we have ghosts now, so. We certainly have enough um, Eve psychopaths, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, but, you know, the one thing I will also say about, the, about yeah. that time, right, because you talked about the scamming, you talked about how, you know, you know, we had all of these things that you can do within the sandbox, right? This was also the time, and I can't remember if it was, if it was, in, if it was in 2008 or it didn't happen until 2009, but um, this was the era of Harden the Fuck Up. This is when CCP and Permaband put out the video, Harden the Fuck Up. This was the mentality back then, right? Eve was a dystopian universe, and all kinds of weird and wacky shit goes on in there. Yeah, could, okay, they had the theme of Harden Up, but then took away or gave the ability to warp to zero, and they took away deep space um, bookmarks. So it was like they were, it was a mixed message being sent at that time. Well, well deep well, space no, the, bookmarks didn't go away until much later. But the, you know, it was what, gone if, by 2010. So they weren't around when I started. Mm, you couldn't. I think they, they went away later than that. Actually, no, they a, went away later than that. I know so, that for a fact they went away later. Hold on, I before I want to say that as far as the environment of what was going on in Eve at that time, if you look at any of the literature at the time, it was very dystopic too. Uh, a lot of those chronicles are very dark. Right. I was going to say that the the heart and the fuck up was less about like learn the mechanics, although there was definitely the here's your spaceship, fuck you mentality. Um, and, and that's a quote, hey, by the way. We're a family show. I know, but that was a, that was the quote. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, I think that a lot of that harden up was uh, uh, about social social stuff, right? Like, oh, these guys are picking on me. Yeah, so then then shoot them, you know? Like, th there's a lot that that was because harden the fuck up was from the you know the 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 game master team, right? So. These were the people that had to deal with everyone complaining about other people being mean or bad. I think and it was also in the same era when they had problems with their moderation team, so it might actually tie into the whole GD and crime and punishment and the fact that people were whining a lot on the forums and suddenly they didn't have the same team that they used to. Yeah. Also, uh, let's go back to uh, this era. Uh, we're going to go a little bit long, skip intermission. 
the uh, at this time you did not join the game and run into Nullsec. There was a whole different behavior as far as progression. Do you want to talk smart, about that? I no. If you were smart, they, that was the progression. Oh, some people actually just jumped in the Nullsec. Oh, I did immediately. <laughs> I like that you put yourself in the not so smart category. Oh, it was rough. Uh, I somehow got um, invited in, into Drake Train. Brand new Drake Train. I'm not from Finland. I don't speak Finnish. And I'm in this corp with these guys, and they're insane. It was a blast, <laughs> and I learned a lot from them, but I, I, I think they invited me by mistake. I think they meant to invite somebody else. What? Okay, guys, what were your first corps like? Um, my first corp was, uh, it was a Care Bear corp. Um, they were mission running out of uh, the Dixie and Overgna. And two or three days in, they got decked by a one-man Merc corp, and uh, he was basically killing all their mission ships. Um, and yeah, they just docked up and hid for two, three weeks or so. So I quit them, uh, and I joined, uh, a high sec pirate corp that was in privateers and, uh, yeah, just changed over to being a high sec war decker instead. Ah, can't beat them. Join them. What about, uh, uh what about you other guys? Um, my first, uh, I was, uh, it was right as I first started. I was, uh, I think a lot of people play the game. For a while before joining, I was like, you know, two days into the game and just got picked up out of rookie help chat from some group. But they were a high set corp, and I was, you know, start doing the mission, the early missions, trying to, you know, grind up money and get ships. And the corp was like, well, our goal is to put a tower in some system down in a Mars space, uh, which back then you needed standings. You had to have like the average standing of the corp had to be like over 8.0 or something like that for the system we wanted. And I was like, okay, well, I can just keep grinding missions. And then I found out that they were a high sec mining corp. So all of them just mined, and I was the only one doing missions. And I, I was just looking at it. I was like, it's impossible for me to get standings up. And so eventually I left, and then I got into another corp. And then we moved out to Nullsec because uh, apparently space had just opened up because Solar took all the space over in the drone lands from they were cleaning out XX Death. And uh, so they were letting in a bunch of like alliances to be a buffer. And so that's when I moved out to there. Uh, my very first corp was actually Australian because I'm, uh, you know, West Coast, U.S. time. And I figured I would play really late at night after the uh, small child uh, had just, you know, would go to sleep or something. And so I was in a very small, uh, I think it was a high-sec missioning corp uh, called Grizzle, I think. I liked those guys so much. And then they kind of started splitting up and going their own way. Uh, so if they're still around, hello, thanks for introducing me to the game. I... Uh, got sucked into Nolsec uh, by a buddy of mine, uh, one of the guys that brought me into the game. He got sucked into a Nolsec Corp, and it was a group called Sedalitas XX, and you've never heard of them, and that's probably purposeful, or not a coincidence. But uh, we, moved, we, were in, uh, we were in Providence, and it was in Providence during that one of those weird periods of time in which CVA didn't own Providence. Um, but it was... After it was NC dot. Yeah, um, it was a pretty much a miserable situation, especially when Evoke came and evict us all, evicted us all while I was like out for a four-day weekend or something. Uh, I don't remember. Either way, I remember it was terrible. Um, but then I wandered around the space lanes, just kind of hopping between uh, like just corp adverts, trying to find somebody who is doing anything. And it actually was really hard if you just randomly just join corps. It's not as it's not as, gr as sunshine as a lot of recruit. You know 
people who try to convince you to play EVE Online will tell you, there's a lot of not very active corps or not very together corps out there. So but either way, yes. <laughs> I eventually well, well, found Aderon and, and joined them. And now you're in charge. We'll, we'll ask the same question to, um, to people out there. Did you have a good experience or a bad experience with your first corp? It seems like we all had, I had a good experience and it seems like most of you had bad experiences. Oh, I know. I had a great experience. I had a great experience. The yeah, great training was amazing. I learned so much from them. I, I knew I, the game was for me when a group of us in Kestrels took down three Tech Threes. And I, for never, I'd never seen a Tech Three before. I never didn't even know what it was. Went to Losec, didn't know what that was. We killed them for Tech Three, and it was awesome. Yeah, my, my experience wasn't a bad one. It was, it was, I mean, the guys in there were cool. It was just, uh, I just realized that their their goals weren't what mine were, so I just moved on to a different one. But yeah, I mean, I spent I spent the first. I don't know, call it 30 days, um, you know, it, you know, in high sec, um, got, got recruited, got recruited to go to a null sec corp, um, ob empire that was part of intrepid crossing at the time out in the drone regions, but waited about one more week before going out because I needed to grind my standings to 8.0 so that I could get a, uh, a jump clone, uh, you know, you know, to be able to put a jump oh, clone yeah. in, in, in an that NPC was station. Such a stupid mechanic. Right, you know, um, it, it, but you know, it was just part of kind of you know what you did to be able to have access to something like that. Now it's one of those things given away free to everybody. Um, but back then it was just something you, did. you know. And then I, you know, and then I went out to Nulsec, uh, which at that time was out in the drone regions, and spent I don't know, really the better part of the next five years um, somehow back and forth between the drone regions. Drone regions was just where I lived. I basically left there sometime after they got rid of drone alloys. Well, mine was actually kind of funny because it goes all the way back to beta. I started in Merchant Alliance, which I expected to be merchant-based, and I ended up splitting that corp uh, through the middle because the CEO did not understand the term opportunity cost. Hmm. Well, my first experience was actually really good. Uh, the corp I was in, the, the PVE corp, that wasn't so good, but I, the high-sec war deck corp I joined, a uh, gentleman of low moral fiber, they were yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, they were the it was the best like year that I had in Eve, and I only left them because I had to stop doing PvP in two thousand nine, two thousand ten because I got sick. But yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun, and I would have stayed with them otherwise. Oh, that's terrific. Okay, um, we'll wrap up this section by actually summarizing what was going on politically, um, not politically outside in Nullsec, but just expansion wise. Uh, I believe it was two thousand eight was in the spring was the expansion for Imperium Age, which actually brought faction yep. war. Kind of yeah, broken summer, actually. June two thousand eight. Yeah, that was kind of it didn't it didn't get the momentum, I don't think, early on. Or at least I wasn't involved in it. The, uh, the original faction warfare was awful. So it didn't work at first. Then really uh, right after that was the Apocrypha expansion, which was an amazing expansion. It's th it, people think it's one of the best expansions ever. And that introduced T threes and wormholes. Uh, and what and uh, what was your guys' experience with that one? Big thing. Big thing. They they everybody didn't rush into wormholes right away. There was like these little explorers that started going in in that direction and you know checking out what it was like, but nobody was really living there yet. And that, actually, it was only a few months that people started to take in a pause and start to set it up and stuff. Right? Anybody else have experience with that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I know the first way that I used wormholes was uh, just as a transit route. Again, living out in the urban regions, I was not a capital pilot at the time. Um, these were the underground railroad to get, uh, you know, to get goods to and from market. 
And by the way, we'll give uh, Manifest some props here because that first expansion of uh, the Faction War expansion, the Imperium Age, had the best PR around it, didn't it? Like we all go back to that, you know, the coronation video or the Knicks being driven into the station and exploding. Yeah, probably probably that the was Knicks the, I remember the most. That was the extended downtime, right? And they, they yeah. brought out the lore. So, so yeah, what they did was uh, because they knew they were going to have some really long downtime. It was like six hours or something like that. So throughout the downtime, they released these videos. So we saw uh, the the crashing of the Knicks into the station, which was a huge deal for for the lore at the time. The coronation of Jamil, the destruction of um, the uh, Elder Fleet, kind of all that stuff. Really, kind of. Uh, I mean, it's it's the events that we still talk about today when you're talking about the lore. Those are kind of the moments that you draw back to. Those were also okay, easier. Can I, can I just interject with the fact that there's actually another period of expansions that was actually quite good. Before, at before least you do all the way up to the day that it came out. I think. Wait, I wait, wait, wait. Bef uh, before you do, I want to say, uh, I guess the um, the pro the difference, and this is kind of significant because right now the lore is very confusing. I find, and I don't know how new people find it, um, but back then the lore was a lot more straightforward. It was empires, it was soldiers you could relate to, it was slaves, a rebellion, all that, all those themes were really easy to grab onto. It wasn't really convoluted sci-fi about, you know, are these things what they appear to be or not? I don't, I don't know that it was, was necessarily more convoluted, but I do think that it was less consequential to what was actually happening in the game. Uh, you know, I think in the last 12 to 18 months, you've seen lore that is that is living and breathing kind of with changes to the game. Whereas that really wasn't the case back then. I mean, you know, it was it was more backstory, Ash. Would you would you say that? Yeah, there's was, way was, too much tophophobia in here. It, it was basically uh, besides the there were these times of very active lore development, and you're talking and we call it, it was like around the Salian event, uh, around the Sancha incursions, around uh, Alec Jalan, which was actually right before the incursions. Don't and get too deep. Now we're in drifters. I'm so, be but besides those periods of time. Uh, generally speaking, the lore has been almost window dressing as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, I forgot about the super uh, active. incursion part, yeah. Right. So anyway, so then Apocrypha hit, and then after Apocrypha came incursions. Well, actually, Incarna, Dominion. but we're going to skip over Incarna. What's Dominion. that? Yeah. Dominion, Tyrannus, yeah. Yeah, Dominion. I know, I know, we're skipping Incarna. I, I love Incarna. Okay, no, let's Incarna talk about Incarna. Next. Incarna I'm, comes after incursions. Okay, yeah. incursions first, and then Dominion. Okay, which was a you know, which was a major expansion at the time, right? Brought in Dominion sovereignty, the sovereignty system we knew before Age of Sovereignty. Right, and I would say that Dominion was was definitely the turning point of a chapter because if you think about it, Dominion was the last big expansion as CCP entered into their ambulation phase. So um, the the expansions kind of between then uh, between Dominion and Incarna are a little bit content lighter than some of the expansions before that when it comes to how expansive they are. Well, um, and you'll see that that very big hook into the Jesus features in Tyrannus and, and a lot of these other uh, in incur uh, incursions. I Wasn't there a lot of code issues wanna... going on then? There was a lot oh, of behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff with those expansions, right? We didn't necessarily see it, but there's a lot of stuff being done. 
I, I just don't want to downplay Dominion too much because when you look back at the history, um, um, go back go back 12 months ago and then everything from there back to Dominion, right? You had the explosion of super capitals. Super carriers became something, something that was just broadly used. Titans were ramping up um, because of the Dominion sovereignty system and how those played in it. The whole idea of the rental empires. Now, there had been rental empires that existed before Dominion. Um, the Russians, mainly Legion of X, Death and Solar and some others, really big into them out in places like the drone regions. But that Dominion sovereignty system, coupled with the changes that they made to super carriers and Titans at the time, were just monumental shifts in how this game was played. That's a good point. So uh, Dominion extended for years. And the best yeah. uh, uh, feat or expansion um, trailer ever, Dominion. That was a great one. And then you had uh, Incursions, which was uh, the introduction of Incursions, which is great because that's a really uh, and it's kind of a stranger game. You know, like you meet strangers, you get into a group, and you fight something. Really, the only time you could do that sort of thing uh, since you too. So. That was an interesting change. Um, then came Incarna. So let's not skip Incarna. Let's talk about it, but let's not spend too much time on it. All right. I, I, I pretty much perfected like my rant about Incarna. The, the <laughs> Go whole, ahead, Caleb. The whole buildup of the expectations were huge. That's why I was pointing out the whole thing about which one was most interesting from a presentations and law perspective and all those things. And, and everything that they rolled out to show us what was about to come was mind-blowing and people were really hyped and i think that's the major reason that it went so bad because when the day then came and we saw what we got that was not what we expected that was not what we had hoped for i i kind of disagree go ahead and hold on, i'm sorry i I want to back you up just a little bit because i believe that you're overlooking tyrannus which also was a major expansion in terms of planetary interaction okay now i'm not saying that it was necessarily fun when it first came out but what you saw from planetary interaction um affected the whole universe but but you also saw the explosion of station building in nullsec at that time that's a good point it turned out that mechanic was very much a click fest you had to keep clicking 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 and people got exhausted so they started fixing it after a while but it's the first time you could mine planets with a whole different mini game uh, than moons and stuff but it's also the layer on top of that the fact that the planets were suddenly accessible Yep. It was more the whole mindset. It was not so much what what was on them and how you used them. It was the fact that now you also had planets. Well, they were actually beautified before that expansion, right? Because they used to look like moons. <laughs> they were just kind of... Yeah, yep. They weren't very pretty. So oh. the, the in, or, uh, Tyrannus is important for three reasons. One, it was the expansion that I joined in. So, of course, it's the most important one. Um, but also, like with uh, incursions, uh, again, this goes back to the idea that they were really trying to get these Jesus features in, and they're also sort of running out of ideas. So you kind of get this idea, you know, the planetary inter interaction was criticized to be kind of like Farmville in space, which it still kind of gets criticized for being that. And then incursions were very much kind of like Eve's raid content. And so what you saw was CCP looking at other games at the time and trying to figure out how to kind of steal whole cloth uh, ideas from, from other game companies. And it working with kind of not very good success both incarna or both incursions and uh planetary interactions required some pretty significant revisions after its initial release incursions were less so because incursions were designed from the get-go to be very destructive and very um 
uh, painful. So I think they only really tweaked with the rewards and how that worked. Um, and, but and I think you have to iron home the fact that we were promised an Agora, a big place to meet other players, and we got an isolation cell. Well, that was a big that was a big sell. Um, but I think actually the year before they and I think the the first time I saw the excitement start to dip and doubt start to creep in was the fan fest where they introduced the pod pilot coming out of the pod. That animation. Do you remember that? Yeah, I I just like to say that the only thing that kept me playing was fan fest because the disappointment after Encarno was very close to getting me to quit. Well, it was I, only fan fest that that. that Make me stay. People, the other players, make me stay. And you know, and again, you know, you can look at discussions that a lot of us have had, you know, either here or in various other places, um, related to this fan fest, right? And some people saying that they didn't feel that the wow factor was there, right? Um, a lot of that goes back to Incarna. Incarna is like the poster child for for uh, weak player management of their uh, expectation management. Right, because you're talking. Yes, Incarna came out, but it was like three years worth of fan fests before that, where it had been building up and building yeah. up. So that's why this whole slow burn that we're getting now is so much better because yep. we actually get to speculate without being teased. So we, we we still have the same levels of expectations, but there's just no confirmation. So there's no uh, feeling of being disappointed. We're not being teased this time around. And I think that's really good. So to put it into perspective, right? Because we actually just went through Citadel's expansion, which in a lot of ways has a lot in common with Incarna. Because both Citadel's and Incarna had kind of this two-year ramp up where where they, they kind of dangled it in front of us for a long, long, long time. But the difference is, is that, to, to put it into perspective, it'd be as if they promised all of the structures at once. It was going to be crazy, and we're going to build Stargates, and it's going to be great. And then, like, a month before Citadel's, or what would become Citadel's, was, would, was released, they go, actually, we're only going to build the the Citadel's that we see now, like the combat platforms. But it's okay, we're going to build the other ones later. And then, like, in the end, like... A couple of weeks before the expansion they go well actually we're only going to put out the medium citadels and they don't have any service slots or weapons but yeah. you can put them out there like that was kind of the way that it was handled like incarna was supposed to be the grand new era right like um it, it was supposed to be this opening of establishments and getting out of your pod it's this whole other aspect of the game that people have been asking for for years but, um, you know, they, then they said, well, we're just going to start with the captain's quarters. And the captain's quarters was going to be fully customizable uh, in Nullsec later on. Or, you know, like that was the goal. But, you know, we're just going to start with the basic high sec ones for now. And yeah. then, like, right before the expansion, they're like, also, it's only going to be the Mimitar one. And so, like, the, the, the expectation versus the reality was so incredibly mishandled. I think it had a shock... It had a shock to the to the system as well because CCP recoiled in a big well, way. Uh, their their whole emphasis changed to fixing the game's quirks, and it kind of feels like it's been a slow maintenance since then, with little evolutions here and there, with a couple of big features, but they don't feel as big as they used to. So the, there's other two other big aspects to Incarna that's really important to understand it. Uh, the first is that the Incar Incarna was the first introduction of what we now know as the New Eden store, which used to be the Nex. 
Wait. And I, I don't know if we sh we could go into that because we're running out of time. We still have a little more well, time I, to cover. I hate to jump in here. I totally never do this, but I didn't want to type this on my little iPad. I just what? want to say, y'all are forgetting one big thing. This is big, big country, by the this way. Is, this is BC uh, visiting our team speak. I totally apologize to bum rush your, your show. But y'all are forgetting, I didn't want to type this on the iPad with my fat sausage fingers. A major problem with the Karna was they introduced the carbon engine. And there was just no way with that new engine that we're ever going to get multiple people on screen without burning people's computers to the ground. All right, that's a good correct. point. Okay, uh, I do want to move on before we get into the next and all the scandal and the apology letter and everything that followed from there. I just wanted to point out there was a major shift as far as development, and it went a lot towards fixing things, uh, parts of gameplay that people were complaining about. In fact, the next one uh, expansion was all about that. So let's talk about um, around 2000, let's skip to 2013 when Asakai has happened. There's this huge battle. It calls the attention of a lot of people who are outside the game. So we get a whole new type of player base that comes, and they're more action-oriented. They want to get in and get to the combat right away. Uh, we're talking well, about... the Brave Newbies group. We're talking about the Brave Newbies. Uh, we're talking about uh, later tests. I think that we should be very careful about saying that there were different generations of players that came in and what it was that they were seeking. Because I think that EVE is pretty broad-based and players come in today for way different, re you know, way different reasons than each other. Uh, you know, the same reasons that we did back then because there are so many different things going on. I mean, you can't... Well, sure. I don't think you can pigeon, you know, pigeonhole not... anybody... I don't think that's what I meant uh, when when I said generation. I think I meant generation in the fact that it's an age thing, right? The people that came in initially were also rather oldish, right? They were not extremely young players way back in 2003. So there's a lot of uh, real-life stuff happening for EVE players as the game progresses. So they get into new stages of their life. And, and that's what I mean when I say generation, right? There's people that's been parenting and are now done parenting. Well, then, in uh, <laughs> yeah. well, I would argue that, like, I don't think we're trying to stereotype anybody, but there are clear kind of generations of of Eve players, I, just like just like there's Gen X or, you know, baby boomer generation. These people faced roughly the same challenges in their own way at their time and therefore they they were shaped by those challenges that they had to face and so i think that you know it is fair to say that players uh from 2006 in general not necessarily a specific i'm not going to say that caleb has is this kind of way because he's from that generation um but i think that it's a pretty good way to broadly cover kind of impacts of cultural events within the game well and uh as far as uh because here's the one thing I've noticed when I when I started playing was that every time there was a release, because I started playing in Crucible, which I guess was right after Uncarna, um, and I came in towards the end of that one, and that like that's like you said, that's where like all the expansions kind of just seemed to be like more refining the the systems that were already there. There wasn't like all these new brand new things coming out, and so every time that these expansions came out, you'd always see people like, oh, this is an expansion, this is just a hot fix, like they're not adding anything and. You know, me not not being around during like Dominion and Incursion and Apocrypha and all this stuff where they just release these whole massive new things into the game. The first several expansions I went through were just like tweaks and fixes, and they might add a little thing here and stuff like that. So I mean, I, that's just kind of what I expected with expansions. So all the people complain. I'm like, what are you bitching about? I mean, they don't have to make giant massive releases every time, but I guess that's what they were doing before. 
That yeah, is where so, you get the player base that once it's cake, it eat it too. Right, Didn't right. So want, it's like, when everything fixed, they were mad about Incarna being something big. It wouldn't have worked. I agree with that part of it. Um, so that's why they're mad because there were so many things that needed to be fixed. So we're mad now. Then we come out. We got now we're fixing everything. Oh, now we're mad that you guys aren't putting out big big items. So it's right, a very right. fickle group, you know. Yeah, well, seems to be a hard a lot time. Of the old players just seemed like they had. It was hard to meet their expectations, whereas maybe the players that came in when I did were just kind of like hey. used to nothing. Like now but, that Citadel I and highest changes are coming out, it's like holy shit, this is like. I've never seen new stuff like this come out. Well, Play, player bases in general, it's hard to it's hard to you know, necessarily meet their expectations. But uh, again, in the wake of Incarna, okay, in the wake of the Summer of Rage, you had a period there where they said, okay, you know what? Um, we're going to fix these things. We're gonna you know we're, we're gonna knock off the Jesus features for the next eighteen months. We're gonna fix things. Where the, yeah. where the issue came in there was it was three years later when they knocked off fixing the little things. So there had been that kind of like overrun of time, um, and, you know, and there was some stuff that was built up there when people started calling again for something big to shake things up. Yeah. So to put it into perspective, not to go too much into what happened in Incarnate blow by blow anymore, but to put it into perspective, I think like 25% of their staff had to be laid off because they didn't actually get the, uh, the income that they were expecting to out of it. Uh, the company almost went belly up. It's basically the reason, one of the big reasons why, um, you know, uh, World of Darkness fell apart. Their entire community team basically was fired. Um, and and effectively, they, they had this gigantic roadmap of, of rebuild, like this whole new universe of EVE. And they literally just threw it away. And what happened, what ended up happening was CCP Soundwave went and he had this like little book that he kept all of his little type features that he always wished he could get into the game. And he just brought that book out and that became the game plan for uh, Crucible, no, Retribution, um, which was the next expansion after Incarna. So there was this huge shift to like- And because of that, everyone forgot his parts in everything before that. Well, I I, I said I wasn't gonna go into the details again, but uh, no, uh, what what ended up happening was you saw this big focus towards flying in space and this almost allergic aversion from anything that was related to Incarna. So uh, anything involving uh, you know the spa- the ship or sorry uh, the station environment or uh, ambulation or uh, even the next door. I mean, it had to get re- re- changed over and all that stuff. And so for years, it was kind of just trying to pander to the player base because CCP, well, this also came at a time where Dust was supposed to herald in this new age of like CCP's prosperity, and it completely failed to do so. And so CCP was hoping to expand on their player base, but in the end, they were left with this community that was willing to basically hold CCP at ransom if they stepped out of line, which was something that CCP was not used to. And so it took uh, several years for for CCP to kind of get their footing back. Caleb, I don't know how you jump uh, from one little square in my monitor to hers. He broke broke the fourth fourth dimension or whatever they they call it. You two two are busted. But um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, you, you know, again, not to go into, not to go into, uh, you know, what caused CCP. There's a whole number of reasons behind, you know, how CCP's financials were what they were. I don't think that they were ever close to going belly up or anything even, well, remotely close to that. But um, you know, one thing I do want to say here because it's something that I tweeted out a couple of days ago. Um, you, you know, we've had Andrew Gruen's book about the about the wars, right? We've had other things along those lines. 
One of the things that I think would be either a, a compelling media story by somebody out there willing to put in the legwork to do it, or who knows, maybe even some sort of, uh, uh, of book by an actual historian is to go back and do an account of Eve's development, okay? Um, um, really from back in the beginning, what was their vision? What did they truly envision for have what you, it was that they were putting together? Have you checked out the second generation book from the collector's edition? Because it does a pretty good job of that. Yeah, but that's going to that's gonna be glossed over a bit. It comes from them. But yeah, that does kind of go over well, there. You know, and again, from a, you know, from a historian's perspective, right? If, you know, it, you know, if there were logs that they could you know, have read at the time. Sure. Right? Not to get kind of a rewriting of history, similar to what happens with the meta of this game, right? Because you don't want Hilmar to come out and go, well, we totally envisioned how the use of capitals was going to play out. <laughs> you, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, um, you know, but to really get what it was they had in their in their head at the time, and then really what it was the players brought to all of it that they had to then adapt to. Yeah. Okay. Last so thoughts on this I segment. So I, I was just going to say that uh, I bring this back to kind of Incarna and the Brave Newbies Rising and all that stuff to say that, that the mentality of players that came from that generation reflected the change of mentality within CCP as a whole. So before Incarna, CCP had a plan, and they were confident about it, and they didn't even always tell us about it. They just they were they knew what they were doing, and they were going to do it, and trust us, we are the champions. Just follow us to victory. Yeah. Um, and then after Incarna, they didn't have a plan anymore. They were just like, well, uh, let's figure out something that's cool. And so what's interesting is, is that the people that joined prior to Incarna were very planning-oriented per hour, efficiency, spreadsheets. And then after that, you get a bunch of people that it's just like, fun, excitement, engaging with the game, figuring out ways to break stuff, you know, and, and fun per hour as a focus. So it, it's, it's interesting that as CCP changed as a culture, they also got a different change in the player base. That's a very interesting point. Uh, I would like to say, and we'll wrap up the segment now, it doesn't seem like they have a plan still. Like, I know they've given us citadels and they're going to walk us through I citadels. But I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like there's. A, I think we're adrift. What do you, What do you think? No, I think it's it's still in rep mode. You're, you're st we're still repairing, and I think Siegel's vision and the way she wants to roll out some of the things that that CCP have planned is uh, going to be more surprising. If you look a little bit at at background and what she's been doing before she joined CCP. Uh, I would be surprised if uh, she doesn't have a few aces up her sleeve that will blow people's mind. I am personally thinking something that Ash will like a lot, stuff that's lore-related and, and how to create mechanics that allow players to create emergent lore. And especially because now we have the new policy of let players tell the story. That's the story, not what CCP writes. Dirk, did well, you have something? Yeah, you know... I'm going to say this. I think that we, the players, and we, the pundits who get on and talk about this kind of stuff, probably don't give CCP the credit for a vision that they probably deserve. Okay? Um, I believe that I they had a vision back then. I believe that they had a vision that has lasted all the way along. I think there's just a lot of us who get out here and talk about and speculate and throw in our, you know, our truths about it. Um, um, 
and that still in the background there is their vision now where i think that it can be improved is that there are a lot of smart people that are related to this game that are players and i think that the combination of their development vision with some augmentation from ideas from the community can make it a better game but deep down I think that they still have a vision that they talk about back there, and they just let us run with what it is we're saying. Well, okay, we'll segue into Citadels right now, but I, I actually think that combination is is not necessarily a good combination because we weren't we're not no longer given the game; we're now forming the game with them, and I don't think that's a good combination. I, I don't because um, it, 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 it seems it, like it, right it, now it, it seems mean, like. It, go ahead. Oh no, no, I'm, uh, yeah, I just want to say. It creates some trouble, okay, because back when they had a vision that was less influenced by the players, you know, the whole social media aspect, the whole ability to get out there and voice something that thousands of other people were going to hear and raise a ruckus like happened with the Summer of Rage was was a lot more difficult to happen. And nowadays, you know, you know, what, you know thread knots have always been a thing, but between Twitter and Reddit and every other place that people are screaming and yelling about something, it's much more easy to, to, to raise that ruckus than it once was? Well, I come in with baggage of seeing players get what they want out of the MMO and then the MMO being ruined. And the people who kept calling and complaining about what they wanted took off. And the rest of us that actually liked the game moving slowly and consistently were left with a broken game because these guys came in, made a lot of noise, and then took off. And so I feel like that's kind of happening with EVE. And part of it is this, this whole development cycle feels like it's uh you know um eve, eve online for pl like not to pick on them but they're kind of one of the more showy you know groups about things but it's you know build something so i can tear it down and it's it's like you're asking for people to to invest time into something that is glamorously and in a fun way going to be torn down by somebody else and i just don't think that's a winning solution but let's talk about citadels because that's actually happening right now i want to throw it over to Reva because she's on top of that can you tell us what's going on with Citadels? Well, at the moment, uh, as everyone knows, there's been mostly the Astrohus that have been uh, planted until yesterday, the first uh, Fortizars went down. Um, and a lot of these Astrohus have been exploded uh, in the 15-minute timer after they anchor. And those are the small Citadels, right? Seen... Sorry, those are the medium uh, Citadels. Yeah, the medium ones, yeah. And uh, okay. you've seen a lot of people uh, complaining about, yeah, these Citadels are getting killed all over the place and... Everything, so, but um, from what CCP Nullivore said uh, during the week, there are way more that are up and anchored and haven't been destroyed than there are. And yeah, a lot of them outside of HiSec are dying in the 15 minutes after they get anchored because they're not fitted at all then. And people just haven't expected huge fleets to turn up to make them explode. Um, cool. There's one up in HiSec in Perimeter that um, the guy set the vulnerability window for uh, just after it anchored. So it was like six or eight hours after it anchored. Um, and that, as far as I know, is the first one that's actually got into uh, Hull uh, while it's been fitted. And he's got uh, six war decks going on at the moment. Um, the first two uh, sections were not um, contested. He didn't have a defense fleet out at all. So on the first one, there was uh, one fleet of... Uh, five or six people turned up and they took down the shield and then the second part was the armor which was five days ago now um, and there was a uh, breaker wish foundation and a vendetta mercenary group turned up to uh, to shoot at the armor and that went down in about 20 minutes and so 
there's other citadels coming out of their first vulnerability into their first vulnerability window in the next day or so because people set the timers for as far as they could after anchoring so we'll get to see uh the medium citadels being shot at more in uh the low sec areas and null sec and we'll see more how that's going on uh, and how actually good they are with the proper fleet uh, supporting them so I uh, I went on to Z Killboard the other day because I I was very nervous because I want to build my own Citadel, um, and you know it's been very flashy and like a lot of uh, Citadels have been on Reddit, um, but according to Z Killboard, only thirty seven Astrohuses have died, which if you think about it is really not that many. No, it's not seeing as how many there were that have gone up, um, and the the amount that's been sold in Jita over the last. Uh, week or whenever they went up is yeah way above 37 and that's not counting that most of them will have been built by people themselves and they won't have actually gone through the market yep and uh and in the same sort of sense zero of them are from high sec five of them are in low sec and the rest of them i think maybe 90 percent of the rest of them are from wormhole space and uh then the last 10 percent of those would be from null although i haven't really most of them are from uh, wormhole space I think we're going to see more destruction though, because these things take a time take time to build and then to plant and then time to destroy, right? Like, yeah, that is correct. But I'm I'm just saying like there was this this mentality that like oh my gosh every Astrohus is dying because you know there's all that hashtag wrecking crew stuff and you know it's really popular on Reddit and super flashy because it's a very pretty picture to see an Astrohus exploding, um, but really it's not happening nearly as much as you would think if you just pay attention to the news. Well, we expected a lot of them to die early on. The novelty of killing them is still there. There's uh, you know there's war decks everywhere as you just heard. Eventually, that'll die down as the numbers go up, right? You know, people get tired of killing them. There's too many to kill them. You know, they're not all going to die. Yeah, and well, the point is, is that most of them are not dying already. It's just uh, kind of an illusion. But I think that, you know, as we get more Fortizars and stuff like that, then definitely th those are going to be the big targets. Um, the other thing to to note is that uh, only uh, within the first few days, I, I haven't really paid attention recently, but within the first few days only one Keepstar blueprint was purchased, period. So that means whoever purchased that has at least a several days head start on anyone else. Reaver, what are people doing with um, the, I think Perimeter is a very popular system. Can you tell us why for Citadels? Yeah, there's, uh, at the moment, there's four Astrohus up in uh, Perimeter, um, and I'm expecting some larges to go up there in the next couple of days. And one of the reasons that people are interested in it is because you can uh, fit a market market in a large. And so you can basically offshore your market out there. Um, instead of doing what people are thinking, which is move Jita to perimeter, what people are thinking about doing is sitting uh, in perimeter and setting one jump range buy orders so that the buy orders cover Jita. And then you can set it up at 0% broker fee. So when the order fills to you in Jita, you'll still have the fees on the sale side, but you won't have the 2% minimum uh, broker fee on the buy side. So that's what people are planning to do at the moment. Just set one to two jump uh, ranges from uh, the Citadel in perimeter. And at some point, they, the CCP can't really stop this because they can just keep extending the buy order range, right? Or yeah. is this something that's specific to systems right next to Jita? Well, it's it's range market skills. I mean, I, I can set buy orders anywhere in a region. So theoretically, I could set 15, 20 jumps out of Jita 
uh, and set a buy order to cover Jita. But the reason that perimeter and uh, uh, one to two jumps from a trade hub are particularly uh, interesting is because if you sit 10 jumps out, you're going to get your buy order filled from all sorts of crappy stations that you don't want to resell at. So if you're one to two jumps from Jita, then yeah, it's it's going to be perfect for you because you're only really going to get stuff sold in 4-4. So it's interesting because you're actually going to fight for territory in high sec space in a way. Well, we're not. We're just going to hop on to uh, <laughs> whoever sets up a citadel. Um, and then uh, the thing is that it, you haven't got any assets there. So when it explodes or if it explodes, then you don't have the five-day asset safety. You just hop to the next citadel over and set up your buy orders again. Well, That's you can wild. anchor them anywhere. So, I mean, unless you fill a system like end to end, which is impossible, like you never, I mean, you can put tens of thousands of these things in the same system if you wanted. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I was thinking the market order fight is going on. Oh. And, yeah. and you could basically say, like, I mean, if you were an industrial and, uh, you know, military power, you could start to clean out your competition if it was, if it mattered. I don't know if it matters. I, I'm just going to say that I think that the market order, like the market whole thing and the asset safety is probably going to be a big part of this summer repass. <laughs> like there's just so many interesting, like weird loopholes and stuff. I don't even know. So I've also heard in comments here that there's a lot of um, uh, citadels in wormhole space and uh, Hard Knocks has built one. Is that right? Yeah, they put up a larger cup uh, yesterday, I think. Yeah, no, it, it actually made the news. So what's interesting is they build a large. The next thing to do is to build the extra large, but you can't do that unless you put a large first in order to build the parts to build the extra large. Right? Well, you can't build in the large. So no, you would, at the you moment, would have there's a no manufacturing module. Oh, there isn't. Okay, well, we assume that's coming, though, with uh, you've additional... You've actually got to be able to build the, the big thing is to be able to build the freighter or get the freighter in there that can launch it. Yeah, like the mm. the whole thing is the market or the, the the manufacturing isn't necessarily going to come in until winter. So okay, so that's not something that we're going to see anytime soon. I was just wondering, like, is there a progression of invulnerability that a wormhole corporation could build themselves into with these new tools? So can you manufacture the keep start in a POS? Is there, is that a capability? I don't even know. As far as I'm I know sure you either. can, yeah. Uh, I could be completely wrong, but my understanding Just is with the module um, array? Is that what you're using? The module array? I have well, no idea. I, That's what I'm asking. The equipment yeah, array. I don't know if in the arrays you can get, uh, if in the array that you would use to build that, if it was even possible that it would have the space to be able to... Twitch Accommodate chat, my only all of hope. The, all of the pieces, parts, yeah, I don't know. Some, the Chendo says yes. I just yes. don't know. But... Okay. Well, it's going to be interesting no, uh, to see how this affects we Wormholds. Equipment yeah, assembly yeah. array. There we go. Okay, and yeah. The, well, yeah, can the equipment assembly array hold the amount of, of stuff that well, goes saying into yes. building? Okay. That well, seems, we, we don't know what they're saying yes pretty, to. So. Yeah, yeah, that seems... <laughs> they're saying yes, it's possible, but we don't know if it's got the capacity, and that may be the limiter. I think they probably thought this out at CCP, but I'm not sure, like to what extent but you know we were talking you know we were talking about kind of the history of expansions and things like that and one of the things that we didn't talk about we don't have a whole lot of time left and and i'm not saying that we need to get off on this but one of the other big things that happened back in uh i'm gonna say 08 okay the introduction of plex and and Good. its ability to be traded on the market again a major change in in this game um really taking it to what i've always called the age of alts 
Okay, um, you know, with the explosion of, of alt characters in the game, um, you know, Plex has had a major influence on this game ever since. It was the first introduction to what people would call, you know, kind of monetizing or whatever, but um, um, it, it really had a significant impact on the game itself just in terms of the explosion there, of accounts. There was a precursor to Plex. It didn't appear out of nowhere, right? There, there was the... No, that's right. There was ga the, there were game time codes around for a long time. They were traded out in the forums, um, um, but once they once they created Plex itself and allowed them to be traded on the markets, um, it removed a significant barrier to entry out there and just allowed way more you know people to to get involved. Well, some would say there's a parallel to there's a parallel to skill injectors being uh, brought in think, from an outside outside market. I think we need to touch upon the important thing about Plex that this is because we've been ranting a lot about what CCP has been doing wrong. But if you go back and look at their track record, right, they pretty much have been perfecting systems that other games did not have yet. Whether we're talking yes. about the market, whether we're talking about uh, um, whether we're talking about payment systems, single whether we're shard talking MMO. about player own stuff and single shard, everything along its history has been extreme novelty, solving things that no one else has. And this brings back the whole thing about uh, the comment that um, uh, that Siegel made in that interview with why haven't anyone copied uh, any of Eve's stuff yet? Well, it's because they seem to fail to grasp the unique selling points and the novelty innovations that CCP have been introducing. And the ones that they do copy, they tend to copy wrong. Unfortunately, that sometimes goes both ways. So, <laughs> Well, I know, because they have these daily, what are they called? Uh, the daily daily opportunities. Yeah. All right, we so won't, we unless won't... you want to go an hour long extra, let's just no, no. <laughs> another episode. Do we, do we have someone? Chen Dao on, uh, on the Twitch chat, the, the equipment array definitely could hold it. It's 10 million M3. Is its um, capacity, so it could hold the parts to build one. And there you go. It's still a pretty monumental effort uh, for for a POS to do, but it is possible, or I mean, for a wormhole POS. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, uh, because I mean, at, at a certain point, you're you're able to. I imagine you're going to be able to build and park super capitals in a large extra large station in a wormhole and at that point you have a fortress that it's hard to imagine how that could be beat well yeah i mean super capitals in a wormhole is kind of always been hilariously inefficient you're not going to move anywhere but you're not going to sure. lose that space oh yeah no that that wormhole it'll take a long time for that for that hole to get taken yeah and if you think about the wormhole you know advantages. Oh, so, yeah, so Chen Dao is saying the component parts needed to build a Keepstar total 252,360,000 M3. A Keepstar? Oh my god. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, you know, because again, you look at something like building a Titan or a supercarrier, right? I mean, these are not built in things that can only hold a little bit of, uh, even, ten, even 10 million M3 worth of stuff, pieces, parts that go into these things. Yeah. Uh, just can't do it. All right, let's wrap it up because it's the end of the night. Uh, we got a little late start, but we're gonna try to wrap up on time for our friend, uh, Drunk Canadian, who's gonna be playing Kerbal. Um, what do you guys have to say uh, here at the end? Any? I'd like to point out that yeah. the innovation thing is gonna keep going and they're gonna find a solution to something that no one else has. This ties back to Astorothy's uh, shop thing. 
maybe we can expect some sort of proper executed licensing collaboration thing in the next store. Yeah. Okay, let's do some rants, or that's what I like to call them. Anything you're, it's on your mind? Sure. Eve is dying. Yeah. Obviously. In every way but the metrics. I missed yeah. it. Do what? In every way but the statistics. Yeah, I tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted that on, on the day of FanFest, and, and people really like that. So, all right, I, I'll go first. So I, I said this at the beginning, it was kind of a joke, but it's not really a joke. Aeron Robotics is, in fact, recruiting. Um, I held a meeting with all of the lead, old leaders of Aeron, and I said, well, you know, we still have a bunch of good infrastructure going here. We still got a bunch of good programs. Uh, what do you think about getting the band together? And everybody said, rock on. So uh, we've already had several people resub or rejoin Aderon. Uh The machine is churning again. So if you are interested in Galente Faction Warfare, if you're interested, if you're either a new person that wants to kind of learn how to fight and live on the same concept, or if you're tired of World War B and basically doing nothing all day, uh, come to Faction Warfare, where we've got all kinds of fights, and uh, you can fly alongside me in Aderon Robotics. Uh, let's go down to Dominark first, and then we'll go over to Drayden. Oh, I have no rants at all. Uh, oh, you save them for your show, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's because I get drunk into that. I will, I will mention, not a rant, but um, if you happen to be in the Midwest of the United States at the end of summer, um, Please uh, try to make it to the Clue Space Nerds third annual Midwest Meetup. Uh, it's August 26th and 27th, Des Moines, Iowa. Um, there's information both on evemeet.com and there's a forum post for it. So. And we'd like to remind people that you're part of uh, Clueless Space Nerds, which is a podcast, uh, right? Yep, we do it every, every two weeks. As a matter of fact, we'll be recording tomorrow night. We do um, do it live through Mixler. Uh, you can listen to us live there, or we, and then we do post it on the, on the website. This will be our 54th episode. Awesome. Drayden? Uh, not a whole lot to rant about the game. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like, like I was saying earlier, I do like the fact that there's actually like new stuff coming into the game instead of uh, a lot of rebuilding. But uh, I'm I'm going to plug Vegas. Eat Vegas, October. Uh, definitely go. I don't know how many tickets are left. They're at full price now at $236, I think now. But if you can get there, Definitely go. It's very fun. I think what's neat about Vegas is you'll see that Drayden is actually like six foot nine. No, not that. I'm six six. <laughs> That's pretty tall. Yeah. I was exaggerating for fun, for humor, but you're actually kind of close to six nine. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have our time finding Astro. Oh, unless you bring the hat this time. No, last I always time I just. Wear the hat. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say last time I could, I could always find him because he's long hair and he had a big old hat thing on. It was like a Indiana <laughs> Jones hat. Dirk. Uh, yeah. You know. I, I'm just going to give a shout out to you tonight because uh, earlier today I asked you what our topic was going to be tonight uh, because frankly I was thinking about it during the day and uh, didn't really think that we had a topic for tonight and then when you started talking about the fact that we were going to, you know, Eve's birthday and we're going to talk about the history, even then I was skeptical and look, lo and behold, we can rock out two hours on Eve history, which I'm going to tell you right now is far from inclusive and far, yeah, it, there's a lot of people who have been playing this off. game. Well, there's a lot of people that have been playing this game a long time, and and there's a lot of you know people out there that have some really good insight into this. Wish we could have had them all on, um, but you know you could literally probably go a week's worth of shows uh, just talking about the history of this game. Absolutely, and I think I think there's an audience for that too. Uh, and you're right. I actually had the same doubts. Like, can can we really talk about it? Um, I think when it gets I think we didn't even get into the stuff that I really wanted to get into, which was our personal memories of how things were, like the little slices of life and how things were different. 
maybe we'll do another show on that uh, some other time. Uh, but yeah, so Caleb, uh, last time I want to apologize. I didn't give you a chance to shout out, neither did <laughs> Reaver. I just totally skipped you guys. So if you want to take a, another second, go ahead. Well, uh, on my rant, I'd just like to say, open the door and open the store. And you can find me on the SCC Lounge, in-game, on Slack, on Discord, wherever. Um, and uh, if there's any writers out there, I could use a few for the Eve Guardian. <laughs> Rebra? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the next few weeks of Citadels exploding everywhere and seeing how they actually pan out once they're fitted and armed. So, hoping to have lots of fun with that. I would like to thank you very much for keeping me informed on interesting things that are happening out there. I really appreciate it. It's hard to keep an eye on everything. Okay, that does it for us tonight. Thanks very much. Please stay tuned for Drunk Canadian, who's up next. He's going to be playing Kerbal uh, Space Program, I believe. It's a great game. Great guy, great personality. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you very much. <laughs>